Welcome to Charleston Church Down East Weekly Podcast. For more information about us, visit charlestonchurch.net. We hope you enjoy this message. Well, it is good to be in church. You all look so good this morning. I actually mean that. I wasn't trying to be funny. I mean it. You look good. It's good to see you in church this morning. Good to see your smiling faces. There we go. You know, it's okay to smile in church. Look like you're baptizing the anointing, not baptizing pickle juice. It's okay to just smile and be happy to be in church. Amen? God is so good. And you know what? We've, we've, um, we've dedicated the month of January to consecration. We started last week with that. And uh, we talked about last week... If you weren't here, we talked about how consecration, we talked about issues of the heart, our desires, our ability to love people who are not easy to love, our ability to forgive people who aren't easy to forgive. And that was kind of issues of the heart. Today we're going to talk about issues of the soul, which is your mind and your will. Please contain your excitement. If you, can, if you could just contain it. I don't know how to handle the excitement. Uh, shoot. So many things to say, just not enough time. Um, but in the next couple of weeks, we're going to be talking about, this, last week and this week is like what God is asking of us when it comes to consecration. But the next two weeks, I'm going to talk about once we do those things, what is made available to us because of our consecration. But as I remember, we talked about consecration. Salvation is coming away or separating ourselves from our sin, but consecration is separating ourselves to God or unto God. And I was thinking this week about all of you and how I love your stories. I love seeing how where you were three years ago when I first met you, some of you less than that, two years ago, six months ago, wherever it falls, and seeing through your dedication and 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 living for the Lord, what it's done for you in your life, where it's brought you in your life, the things it's got you through, the promotions it's brought you, the blessing it's brought you, the healing it's brought you. And I love seeing those stories in your life. And, and I know we've got a ways to go for some of us. We're like, I, I got a lot more I need done in my life. But that comes, we're going to talk in the next two weeks about protection that comes through consecration and promotion that comes through consecration. And I'm just so grateful. I'm a thinker. Anybody else here a thinker? Like you think a lot or way too much maybe even. Yeah, that's me. I'm better than I used to be at it. Take every thought captive and control those thoughts. But I like think everything every way there is to think it. Upside down, backwards, inside out, three times around the middle. I do it. I think it and overthink it. But I like to think with expectation. And that's what I have more than I've ever had for this church and for you this year. I have such a great expectation that as I see consecration level and dedication level, not just to this church, that's part of it, it's God's house, but to your relationship with God, I'm watching God touch your families and it blesses me so much. And I love to think about that as we only draw closer to God, the Bible says 
God said, draw nigh or near to me, and I'll draw near to you. And it's fun to watch that as, we've, as you've dedicated yourself on a greater level to see what God's doing in your life. I was thinking about you guys this week and just the miracles God's done in your family blesses me so much. And I can look across here and see how God has just, and maybe you don't even notice it, but I can see things that God has done and is, and is continuing to do. But it's no secret that oftentimes when we decide, no, I'm going all in for God, that that's when the greatest resistance sometimes comes to try to push us in the other direction. Anybody relate to that? Like you, you're like, no, I'm going to show up to church every Sunday. I'm not going to miss a service. I'm going to be dedicated. And it's like anything that could go wrong and keep you from it happens every Sunday morning. It's like I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give and tithe and be committed to God. It's part of our 100-day challenge. I'm going to be more generous, and I'm going to commit to tithing and stay in covenant with God. And it's like everything to discourage you financially from doing that like pops up all of a sudden. Oh, just me. All right. But let that be a sign to you. Can I encourage you? Let that be a sign to you that the enemy of your soul, the devil is afraid that you'll grab on and never let go. He's afraid that when you go all in, there'll be no turning back for you, and then he's lost you. I love the words of the song that says, hell lost another one, I am free. Hell lost another one, I am free. Hell lost another one, That's not. I'm not doing what I used to do. The devil lost another one, I'm not saying what I used to say. The devil lost another one. I'm not being stingy like I used to be stingy. I'm being committed like I've never been committed. And that is often what happens, that the devil throws everything in the kitchen sink at you because he knows you have him on the ropes and that his time to rule and reign in your life is on the verge of being gone. So he throws everything he has at you trying to break your consecration and commitment when you decide to make it. Say, well, I thought you said you were going to encourage me. <laughs> the encouraging part is he does it because he's afraid of you. The encouraging part is, is that he's thrown his best and that's all he's got. So if you continue to be consecrated and committed to stay with it and saying, I'm not backing up, I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to give in to my emotions. I'm not going to be offended. I'm going to stay all in, no turning back, even through this like storm that presented itself since I decided to go all in. You'll find that very soon when, just like the Israelites, it looks like the enemy's at your back and you've got to see in front of you, where are we going to go? What are we going to do? You know, the Israelites, God answered their prayer and they freed them from the slavery they were in. But then they got to this sea with an enemy behind them. They're like, well, wait a minute. Things were going good. We committed and things were going good. And, and now, and do you know what they even said? They said many times throughout the Red Sea, the wilderness, they said, what are you doing? Why did you take us out of captivity? At least we had a solid meal. At least we weren't going to... 
they slipped back into the old way and thinking of being bound because it was easier in the flesh. Be careful that when you decide, I'm going to serve God with all my heart like I never have before, that the devil doesn't successfully whisper in your ear and say, yeah, remember before when your, committee, your commitment was spotty? Things were much easier. Maybe you just should fly under the radar. He wants you just like the Israelites. It's a type and shadow of, of our consecration to God. He wants you just like the Israelites did to begin to think and blame God and blame leadership and say, man, I was flying under the radar and it seemed like everything was going smoother. Because he wants you to think that that is where your victory will come, is slipping back into the old way of thinking, the old bondage. But I'm here to tell you today, Jesus said, trials and tribulations will come, but take heart, be encouraged. Everything trying to overtake you and discourage you to give up and quit, Jesus said, I've already overcome all of those things. And I'm here to tell you today, don't give up on day 28 when payday's on day 30. Don't, you've seen that, that graphic probably on social media, that meme, where the man's digging underground through and he's almost through, there's this much left, and he's like, he looks back and he's like, I've been digging for a year and, and, and I'm not through yet to my breakthrough. And there's this much wall, one more, one more shovel full and he'd have been through and to the freedom. I'm telling you, that's where you're at today. Don't give up, don't quit, decide that though the waves may be a little rougher and the wind may blow a little stronger, it seems, when I decide to consecrate, take that as a sign of the devil saying, uh-oh, they're about to get the victory that they were promised. And then I'm finished in their life. So go ahead. When that happens this week, just say, thank you, Jesus, that my victory and my breakthrough is coming. And devil, I know what you're up to. You may have thrown your best at me, but it's not going to work. I'm going to keep pushing through because I know. Just like, watch this, when the Israelites thought that way, they would have drowned and been defeated. But because someone stood before them, their leader, and said, and helped them make up their mind to say, no, God delivered us before and hurt us. He's going to do it again today. God literally split a sea open for them. I've never seen that in my lifetime. I've never pulled up to the outlet here, the inlet, and just watch it part and me walk over to the aisle. I've never seen that before. But God literally split a sea for them and made a way where there was no way. But watch this. Watch, watch this. Just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, it says that they went through the fire and they come out and they, they weren't burned, nor did they smell like smoke. What does that mean? It means the fire they came through, there was no residue or evidence that it ever happened when they came through and got their victory. Likewise, not only did he split the sea for them, but it says they walked, and I used to miss this detail when I was younger. I didn't think it through. They walked on what? Dry ground. I don't know if you've ever seen water on the ground in your driveway for like, a day, it's muddy when it dries up or when it goes. It's still sticky and muddy and soft. An ocean laid there 
for however many years and decades and hundreds of years and centuries. And it says when he split it, he, he dried the ground. They crossed on dry ground. Now, that seems like an insignificant detail on the surface, but what is it saying? It's saying not only did he make a way, but when they crossed, they didn't have any of the problems still stuck to the bottom of their shoe, if you understand what I'm saying. They got to the other side dry. They got to the other side alive, but they didn't get to the other side just with a we survived mentality. They got through and said, nothing the devil tried to do to me stuck. Nothing the enemy tried to kill me with happened. Nothing he tried to do to cause lasting damage is a part of me. There's no residue of my problem attached to me. I want to encourage you today that when you consecrate yourself to God on a greater level, you'll watch things that represent an ocean in your life just part. And I want you to know that just like the Israelites, they had never probably seen that before either. And to them, that probably wasn't even in their mind, oh, God's just going to split the sea. They were probably thinking, um, the enemy's behind us, and I can swim in a pool, but I don't know that I can swim the sea. And, and, and we in our own minds try to reason and find a solution. But I want you to know that God is not in the box called mine and your understanding. God is able to do exceedingly, abundantly above what we could ever ask or think. I can promise you God made a way out before you even needed a way out. And the way you unlock your way out is saying, though the devil threw everything in the kitchen sink at me, I'm not giving up. I'm going to be more dedicated. I'm going to be more consecrated. I'm going to be more like a, a dog on a bone. I'm not letting go of what God promised that I can be. I'm not letting go of what he told me my family could be. I'm not letting go of what he told me my business and my future could be. I'm not letting go of what he told me my health could be. I'm not letting go of God. And you'll see that when there seems to be an ocean before you, an enemy behind you. He'll split the sea. You'll cross with no residue of the problem still on you. And <laughs> my favorite part, it's a little violent, but I like it. He drowned the enemies behind them. The best of the best when it came to military, and he drowned them. So I thought God was loving God. He is. But when wickedness tries to abound and touch God's chosen people, you and I are God's chosen people. When he sees someone consecrated, he shows up and makes sure the enemy has a problem. God has got a breakthrough. He's got a turnaround waiting for you today. And I want you, because I know, I know some of you just 14 days, what are we, 15th today? It's January, I know that much. Um, I know already this month that you've, some of you have already decided to dig your heels in and go all in more than you ever have, and you face some opposition. But I want you to take heart this morning knowing it's a sign that the devil knows he's been given an eviction order over your life. Amen? Amen. All right, that was free.
<clears throat> Open your Bible, if you would, with me. And I did preach part of my message right there. I'm, I'm kidding. Um, I want you to open your Bible to the book of Romans, chapter 6. Romans chapter 6. I believe we have it up on the screen. It's coming up on the screen. Romans chapter 6. We're going to read verse 13 to 14. That was part of our main text from last week. And I want to read it to you again. Romans 6, 13 and 14. Actually, let's read 12 as well. Don't let sin control the way you live. Don't give in to your sinful desires. Don't let any part of your body become an instrument for evil to serve sin. Instead, give yourself completely to God, for you were dead, but now you have new life. So use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. We'll stop right there. Romans 12.1 also says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, that by the mercy of God to present your body as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. I want to talk to you just for a few moments this morning about taking the consecration to another level. We talked about like issues of the heart, remember I said last week? Now, when we read that scripture sometimes on surface level, we think when it says use your body, we think about sexual sin a lot of times, sexual immorality. We, we think about those things. But I want you to know it's more than that. I want to talk to you for a few moments today about three things. Number one, I want to talk to you about submitting your will to God. Remember, your soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions. We may have heard or even said before or prayed, not my will, but thine be done, God, yours be done. You know, Jesus prayed that prayer. We see in Matthew that while he was in the garden, we see all through the Gospels, while he was in the garden, before he was crucified, he said, now this is, this is my translation, he said, uh, God, I'm not really loving this. Um, if there's any way... If there's another way for this to happen without me carrying literally the weight of 8 billion people plus, right? If there's another way, I'm up for it. But then he said, watch this. But if there's not, not my will be done, God, yours be done. I submit my will and my desires to whatever you want for my life. That's the first thing we're going to talk about. The second thing we're going to talk about is not only do we need to submit our will, but I want to I talk to you about a tongue. Tongue, you're in your mouth. You know the word tongue is a tongue twister when you say it and try to make it clear? I just realized that. Uh, a tongue that toes the line. <clears throat> a tongue that toes the line. What does that mean? That we say what the word says only concerning our situation. What the word says only concerning our situation. The Bible says that we're to believe the report of the Lord above the report of man. Well, how do we do that? By saying it first. So we submit our will, a will that changes our ways, a tongue that toes the line, and finally, a mind that's made up. So the first thing we're going to talk about is, and I have several scriptures for you, 
because we read the Bible here and it's important. A will that changes your ways. We must develop a love and devotion for God to the point that we make a decision to follow Christ not only in word, but in action and deed. You've heard me say it a few times recently. We, it's great when we come forward and give our heart to the Lord at an altar and, and we, we pray the prayer of salvation, we call it. That is, that is a saying it out loud. It's word. If someone asks us, we would say, yeah, I gave my heart to the Lord. I'm a Christian. I'm saved, however you want to say it. But I'm talking about a different level of consecration today where I have submitted my very will and desires to the will and desires that God has for me. I'm not only serving him and consecrated if someone asks me, but they ought not to have to ask me because they ought to see it on my life by the way I live. Amen? Psalm 40 verse 8 says, I delight to do your will, O God. Your word is hidden within my heart. I delight to do your will. Now it's, again, easy to say, a little harder to do. I delight, what's delight mean? I, I, I don't know if I've ever used that word outside of reading the Bible. But yeah, I take joy. It's a, it's a pleasure for me. It makes me happy to do your will, God. And we're going to talk about in a moment how we know the will of God, but I'll give you a little, a little hint ahead of time. <clears throat> the word of God is the written will of God concerning everything that pertains to life and godliness, the Bible says. The written word is the will of God in print. We talked about on Wednesday. By the way, if you haven't come on Wednesdays, I'm telling you, if you can make your way here on a Wednesday, we are having a time in church on Wednesdays. God is moving powerfully. We're going deeper into consecration and prayer and fasting on Wednesdays, talking about what that means. But, you know, the Bible says God instructs us through Scripture how to pray. He says, pray this way. And then it goes on to say, may your name be kept holy May your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What is that? That, that? that sounds good, but what does it mean? It means, and I'm not going to take long on this because we talked about it Wednesday, but what is the reality of heaven? Nothing lacking, nothing broken, nothing missing. In the Garden of Eden, back with Adam and Eve, it was perfection. They had everything they needed, everything they wanted. There was no sickness, no disease, no depression, no financial trouble, no lack of provision, no crazy government, no problems in the economy. And then when they messed up, if you read through Genesis, they messed up, they got kicked out of the garden, sin entered mankind. But then the Bible refers to Jesus as the second Adam. He came to restore and fulfill God's original plan for you and I that he had in the garden through Adam and Eve. So when we pray, we, that's the way we ought to pray. God, what your will and your ways are in heaven, let it be done here on earth in my life and in my heart. 
Let, I, let me walk in divine healing because in heaven, that's the way it is. There's no sickness. Let me walk in provision in abundance because in heaven, that's the way it is. There, you don't go without. The very streets are paved with gold. It's not a fairy tale. A crystal sea, gates of pearls. If you have a hard time believing that God wants you to be blessed, you probably won't like heaven. You probably should make other decisions. Hell will be very poor. So if you like that, well. Just trying to tickle your religious bone a little bit, see if there's any to be tickled in here. But I think we're doing pretty good by the look of it. A few scowls, but we'll be okay. Streets of gold. Nothing lacking. So then when we pray, we pray, God, whatever's going on in heaven, your will that was your will in the Garden of Eden, let it be established in my life here on earth. God says we ought to pray like that. So when it comes to delighting ourselves in the will of God, it says, because your word is hidden in my heart. It's a delight to serve God and to live for him when I know that his will for me is good. It's much easier to consecrate myself on a greater level when I know that God's not schizophrenic. He's not bipolar. He's not moody. He's not hormonal. Whatever you want to throw in there, God's not that. The Bible says that he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And I want to assure you today that the God of Adam and Eve that gave them more than enough and kept them healthy, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob that promised them and kept them and led them and protected them and got them out of slavery, the God, of Je- the God that, was, that was evident in the life of Jesus' disciples, that same God that provides and protects and heals and delivers and saves is the same God then. He's the same God today. And if you'll trust him, he wants to be that same God for you and every one of your tomorrows. But the key is saying, God, I'm not doing my will. I'm not walking in my own ways. I give my will and my desires to you. It's a delight for me to walk in your will. Your word is hidden in my heart. He's the same God yesterday, today, and forever. The Bible says that he will not change the things that have been uttered from his mouth. The Bible says that every good and every perfect gift comes down from our Father in heaven. And in him, in that God, he says, in case you're wondering, in him there is no variance, nor is there a shadow of turning. That means you can count on God that though maybe your, your earthly mother or father or grandparent or boss or a pastor failed you, that your God in heaven will never fail you. He will never forget about you. He will never get up on you. He is the same God. There's no variance. There's no shadow of turning. So when I know that, now it's easy for me to delight myself in the will and the ways of God. I don't want to serve a God who like closes his eyes and reaches down the earth and say, I'm going to heal you and uh, you'll die of cancer. I wouldn't want to serve a God like that, but religion teaches that. We, we chuckle about it, but do you know that 
I could name you eight churches right now that you could walk to that, that's cold, maybe drive to, that will tell you, it's a joke, people, that will tell you that that's the God you serve, that in his sovereignty, he's different from day to day. He's different from person to person. He's different from situation to situation. But the God of the Bible is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The God of the Bible, he says, I'm no respecter of persons. If you'll submit yourself to me, if you'll commit yourself to me, if you'll consecrate yourself to me, if you'll stay in covenant with me, you see that alliteration four C's right in a row, look at me go. If you'll do all of those things faithfully, you'll find out that I'm no respecter of persons. The Bible says in God, in the kingdom of heaven, there's no longer difference between what he'll do for a a male or a female. There's no difference for what he'll do for, the Bible says, because of the times, slave or free, for Jew or Gentile. What's that saying it means? It doesn't matter your background. It doesn't matter your gender. It doesn't matter your educational status, your financial status. It it doesn't matter. Believe it or not, it doesn't even matter if you're, if you're a Republican or a Democrat. He says, I love you, and I'm here for you, and I'm willing to do whatever I said I would do. Whatever you ask according to my will, I'm the same for you as I've been for anybody else. Not only am I able, but I'm willing to do what I said I would do. Libertarian, whatever you want to throw in there. You know, Jesus did say on the cross, forgive them for they don't know what they do. All right, enough of the politics. We're going to get ourselves all in trouble here. But it's important for us to understand that those things are unlocked through a red-hot commitment to God. I delight to do your will. I delight to live in a way that you asked me to live. I delight to, to act and talk and think in the way you asked me to think. Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer... I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, we're still here in flesh and body. It says, while I live this life in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Romans 13 and 14 says, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh or to gratify its desires. Galatians 5.16 says, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. I got a few more for you. Galatians 16, 516 rather, through 25 says, But I say to you, walk by the Spirit, and you won't gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh fight against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For they oppose each other to keep you from doing what you ought. But if you are led by the Spirit, you're no longer under the old law, the old ways, the old you, the old bondage. Now, the works of the flesh, and it lists them here, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, adultery, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalry, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, 
as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. It's pretty clear. You know, when it comes to sin, there's no gray area. And if I could, if I could sum this up in this one sentence and then I'll move on, it's this. Consecration to God in denominational church sometimes or in religious organization sounds like this. Don't do that. Don't you do that. Don't you do that. Don't you dare do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. You're a failure for that. You're miserable for that. You're filthy for that. You're a dirty wretch for that. God can't love you for that. That's what religion sounds like. And it's what it says consecration is. That's what, it, that's what it would say. Yep, this is consecration. A bondage of rules and regulation, but watch this, no change in the heart. You can check every box of how you're supposed to dress, how you're supposed to act, what you're supposed to look like, all the religious things. You could check every box and have no change in your heart and still not inherit the kingdom of God according to Scripture. But true consecration, true holiness, true sanctification in the process of it is this. Come in here messed up. Come in here. Be careful, filter my words here. Come in here broken. Come in here lost. Come in here tired. Come in here as a failure. Come in here with shame. Come in here living However you've lived in the past, you can feel like you're the filthiest sinner and the most vile person on the coast of Maine. But consecration and a love for God, delighting in him, looks like this. It says, come in here that way, and we're not going to point our finger at you and say, you're filthy, you ought to change. We're going to point you to the cross of Calvary and say, when you develop a red-hot consecration and love for God, your love for God and the Spirit of God working in you will do the change that man will try to point out and force on you. Consecration is loving God and committing to him and allowing the Holy Spirit to do what religion fails to do every time. I could name you so many people, you know a few too, I'm sure, that said, I grew up in church, or they'd say, I grew up with a religious background, and it was shoved down my throat, and I want nothing to do with that, because they were attacking the action and never pursuing the heart. But God's way of doing things, the but. Oh, excuse me, a little dry. <clears throat> Pardon me. God's way of doing things, I keep the cover off. I'm probably going to have a little more of that in a second. Is saying, just come in here, regardless of how messed up you are. I could preach to you for the next 20 years on the rules and regulations of how to look, how to act, how to dress how to post on social media. Or I can lead you and sound like a broken record, keep telling you and encouraging you to go all in with God and develop a consecration and a love 
that nothing else matters. And by doing that, we'll watch the actions and the behaviors and the posts and the way of acting change. You see, sometimes we forget and we think that we're the Holy Spirit. We feel like the Holy Spirit put us on the payroll to point out someone's faults in church. Point out someone's shortcomings. Did you see what they're wearing in church? You know where I saw them or who I saw them with this week? And they're here in church with their hands raised? You and I are not the Holy Spirit. We're called to be filled with it ourselves. And us pointing out the faults of others is a clear gauge and revealing of how empty our Holy Spirit tank truly is in ourselves. Are you hearing me? We're called to love one another, not judge one another. Now, there's things that happen that we can tell. The Bible talks about how we can identify, how we can discern different spirits, and I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about consecration God's way. Changing our desires comes through a greater love for God and a greater, uh, a making greater room for him to move through the Holy Spirit in our life not through finger-pointing in religion. So, a will that changes our ways. When we give our will to God, our ways automatically change. It's just part of the process. Number two, a tongue that toes the line. <clears throat> now this one, it's not easy. I'm like, I've always got an answer. Anybody else like that? I'm the king of Zing. You want to run your mouth? I'll run you under the table and make you wet yourself because I, I, got, I got something that's going to... I'm never lost for words, as you can tell. Put that in the book of things I never thought I'd say in church. <clears throat> But I, I'm trying to be a little funny. I'm trying to make you smile. But I'm serious. I, it's easier for me in the flesh to just open my mouth. But notice what I said, the flesh. The Bible is full of scriptures that help us understand the Bible says that the tongue though one of the smallest members is the most powerful member Psalm 1914 says excuse me may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you O God my Redeemer (laughs) when you convince yourself and train yourself that as we open our mouth Would I say this if I was looking Jesus in the eye right now? If he was standing beside me, would I respond with these words in these ways? 
Now, I think Jesus had a sense of humor, so I think he'd also like my jokes, but. <laughs> but may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you. We ought to live like that. And it takes time, but we ought to be intentional about what we say. Whoever said sticks and stones can break my bones, but words will never hurt me, they were a liar. It's like the thing your mom probably told you or someone told you when you were smaller. It's like toothpaste. Can't get it back in the tube once it's out. But man, does it feel good to just let them have it and walk away thinking, yep, I did it. They got nothing to say to that, do they? There they are underneath the table. Needing a diaper change. Feels good. <clears throat> In the moment. But remember, we're ambassadors for the kingdom of God. And, and, and we can't be perfect. We're not perfect. But we ought to be intentional about how we speak to other people. Can I take it a step further? We ought to be intentional about how we speak over ourselves. Are we saying what God says about our life? Are you declaring the report of the Lord over your future, over your right now, or are you declaring the reality of your circumstance? Let's read on. Watch this, Proverbs 21, 23. Whoever keeps his mouth and his tongue keeps himself out of trouble. You know, sometimes God makes it real simple so we don't misunderstand it, misinterpret it. The Bible tells us that there's power in our words. This is how we submit ourselves to God, through our mouths. When we do it, we set ourselves up for victory and for triumph. Proverbs 18.21 says, most of us probably know the scripture, death and life. Death and life. Life are in the power of your tongue. And those who love to talk will eat its fruit. Do you know your words are seeds? Our words are seeds. And the crop I'm planting today when I open my mouth is the crop I'll eat tomorrow when I walk through it. What I say today, I'll step in tomorrow. So we ought to be careful that what we say and step in tomorrow doesn't stink and stick to the bottom of our shoe, if you know what I'm saying. One of the most undertaught things, I think, in our Christian life is the power of our confession. You know, medical science backs this up. What you say matters. I won't go into the story, but I've told it before. Actually, I was talking with Rob and Alyssa about it the other day. The story about two men who were in a, a refrigerated train car. And it was broken. I've told you this story before. They didn't know that it was broken and not working. One man, it's a true story, one man 
kept saying all night long, we're going to freeze to death. I'm going to freeze to death. I, I, I know I'm getting hypothermia right now. I know what the temperatures of these cars go to. We're going to freeze to death. And the other man said, no, we're not. We're going to be just fine. God's for us. They'll come in the morning. We're, we're okay. And do you know, true story, when someone finally came and let them out and found out that they were missing and locked in that car, I actually believe it was over a weekend, if I remember the story right. When they came Monday and opened that car, the man who continually said, we're going to die, he ate the fruit of what he said all weekend. And the man who confessed the word of the Lord that everything's going to be okay, God's with us, we're going to be fine. Do you know? He was a little dehydrated, a little hungry, but perfectly fine. Death and life are in the power of our tongue. We ought to have a tongue, this is through consecration, that toes the line. To do this, we must speak the word only, and I'm almost done. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 says, All scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong with our lives. Thank God for that. It corrects us when we're wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. Matthew 4, 4 says, It is written that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. There's a theme here, if you haven't really noticed, that the word of God is the lifeblood that we ought to live by. One preacher said, never, he actually wrote a book that says, the title is this, never run at your giant with your mouth shut. David defeated Goliath with his words before he ever defeated him with Goliath's sword. He said, who do you think you are? You uncircumcised Philistine. What does that mean? It means you, you, you're at a covenant, and you're kind of being a jerk. It's my translation. He said, who do you think you are to defile my God? And we ought to run at every giant and enemy in our life with the word of God. If it's sickness, there's a word for that, that we can look at the doctor's report and say, I know that I believe Isaiah chapter 53, verse four and five, that when he hung on the cross, he didn't just take my sin. Thank you, God, that you broke the back of sickness and disease and that I'm free and you've given me the ability to not only get well, but to stay well. That is how we consecrate ourselves in word. Matthew 12.34 says, Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. If we don't have it in our heart, it won't come out of our mouth. You know, I heard a real-life story a while back, and it was told to me again yesterday, actually, about a group of people who were in a car accident a couple years ago. And there was five people in the car, all from different backgrounds and walks of life. All, by confession, 
saying that they were Christians. That car lost control and rolled multiple times. And I'm told by someone who was in that car that out of the five, watch this, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Two of these believers, believers began to pray in the Holy Spirit while the car was starting to fishtail and lose control. What was in their heart was revealed. Two were terrified and began to scream in horror, fear in their heart. Sounds fairly normal. But there was one who was on the surface saved, Anna, but began to cuss every four-letter word there was to cuss when the vehicle began to lose control. Now, I'm not saying... I know we slip up sometimes. But what I'm saying is, when you're pressed like that and your life is literally flashing before your eyes, that, that is a perfect analogy of what out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. Dead religion. When pressed, reveals itself. But a heart sold out to God, when pressed, will also reveal itself. Stand with me if you would, Hannah, if you can come back. <clears throat> it's going to get better, I promise. We're going to talk about some great benefits in the next couple of weeks, but I, I need to get this in your heart, that God requires us to be consecrated, a will that will change our ways. We delight ourselves in his will. Number two, a tongue that toes the line. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, God. And finally, a mind that's made up. Proverbs 8, 5, and 6 says, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on things of the Spirit. For the set your mind on the flesh, the earthly things will be death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and it is peace. The Bible also says that he will keep those in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on the things of God. And finally, Romans 12, 2 says, and this is the message I need, if you heard anything, hear this. <clears throat> Do not be conformed to this world. But be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Do not be conformed to this world. What does that mean? Molded and shaped to fit in with the world. say what they say or talk like they talk I don't, I don't think like the world thinks the Bible says to take every thought captive and take it back to the word of God and see if it lines up and if it doesn't get rid of it 
Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed. The transformation comes by the renewal of your mind. Your tongue and your mind is what we're talking about today. The two keys to unlocking God's destiny and his best for you. it says, that by testing this, you will discern what is the will of God and what is good and what is acceptable and what is perfect. So what does that mean? In a nutshell, it means this. Don't let your thoughts about your situation be the way that the world that doesn't have Jesus would think about your situation. Don't let what you confess out of your mouth when you're pressed and your back's against the wall, don't let it be what someone who's empty of the power and the presence of God, how they would handle from their mouth that situation. transformation take place by renewing your mind. How do we renew our mind? Faith comes by hearing, the Bible says, and by hearing the word of God. I could, and I'm working on getting better. I am, I'm conscious about it. But I could come up here, give three points, a poem, a conclusion, and be done in 22 minutes. And, and there's times when that's okay. I'm not saying that it's always wrong. But what I need you to understand is there are times when I'm, I'm, I'm going through this, and I look up, and I've been 35 minutes, and I see someone in these seats. I see a heart surgery taking place. I see a transformation of the mind taking place. I see a, a heart surgery and a mind surgery, and I see a change, and I see a healing, and I see a, a breakthrough. I see a light come on, and I can't stop. I gotta keep preaching that revelation. I gotta keep stirring that faith. I gotta keep pressing in until we say, I don't care. I've sat here long enough. I've done it my own way long enough. I'm not gonna be conformed and live the old way and think the old way and talk the old way and act the old way, no. I'm going to let my love for God transform my life, and I do that by changing the way I think and the way I speak. And it says when you do that, when you allow a transformation to take place through thinking the way God thinks about you and your situation and talking the way God would talk about your situation, it says when you get there and do that, it says by doing that, watch what it says, you will discern or figure out what is the perfect will of God for your life. It says by being transformed by the renewal of your mind and the way you speak, thinking and talking the way God does, you'll find out 
the will of God. You'll find out what is good according to God. You'll find out what is acceptable according to God. And you'll find out the perfect will of God. I'm making up my mind today. And I'm asking you to make up your mind today. God's not looking for perfection. He's just looking for you to start, for you to commit. Not because it, it makes it easier for him. It's because it makes it easier for you. say over your business, Diane, ah, the economy, eggs are up. If I hear that on Facebook one more time this week or social media or on the news or wherever. You know, for every dozen you need, God will give you six bucks. I'm just going to put it out there when you stay committed to it. McDonald's nine times this month, but fret over an extra three bucks over a carton of eggs. But let's think the way God thinks about this. <clears throat> Honestly, that, that's not the way, that's transforming the way we think. A poverty mentality is, dear God, three more dollars a dozen. A dozen a week, that's 12 more bucks this month. But I just spent $98 on McDonald's in the last 30 days or Dunkin' Donuts don't think like poverty anymore. We change the way we think. I just lifted a stress off of all of you. You're going to buy nine cartons of eggs on the way home today. I know it. Won't be one left on the shelf. Just go ahead and just free yourself from that poverty mentality and way of thinking. I don't care if gas is $900 a gallon. God knows I need to drive to Sullivan. He'll give me $900 for every gallon I need to drive. That's the way God thinks about you and your future. Diane, if you say well, the economy's down. People aren't moving anymore. People aren't storing anymore. People aren't going on vacation and staying places as much as they used to. Then you'll eat the fruit of what we say. But a believer, a transformed by the renewing of their mind, consecrated believer says, no, I don't care if every house and every unit's empty in the state of Maine, mine will be full because I have a covenant with God and what he gave me and blessed me with, the devil and the economy and a government will not take it from me. What God has blessed, no man can curse. That's how a believer talks. It's not denying reality. It's telling your reality where to go and how to get there according to the Bible. Some of you have told a few people where to go and how to get there, not according to the Bible, but you can do it according to the Bible, and it's different, and it will work better for you, I promise. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I'm not going to prolong it, but I'm asking you today, if there's anyone in here who's not sure if you breathed your last breath today, if heaven would be your home. I'm not saying you are saved and give your life to Christ, and you stubbed your toe and said a four-letter word this morning, 
So now you feel like hell is your future. That's not the kind of thing I'm talking about. I'm saying you've made an active turn from God and walked away, or you've never came to him, or or, or it's been a long time and you know you're not right and you're not living right and you need to fix it and turn yourself around. I'm not going to prolong it, but I am going to give you the opportunity. If that's you, slip your hand up right now. I'm not going to embarrass you, but I am going to pray for you. The Bible says that if we can't acknowledge him before man, he won't acknowledge us before the Father. Is there anybody who's saying, I, I see that hand. Is there anybody else? Hallelujah. One person has been bold this morning. Is there anyone else who says, I'm not sure that I'd meet Jesus. I'm not sure that I'd go to heaven if I didn't wake up tomorrow. Ten more seconds and then I'm going to pray. If that's you online, I want you to know that we haven't forgotten about you. I want you to know that if you want to give your life to Jesus online, go ahead and type right in that comments on the live stream. That's me. I want to give my life to God. And we'll reach out to you and we'll pray for you and you'll be just as saved as anybody will be. The hand of God and salvation is not limited to a camera lens. You can be free today as well. Is there anybody else in service before I pray? All right, I'm going to ask my wife and Anna to join me here at the altar. And if you raised your hand or you didn't, but you mean business with God, I want you to come and stand right here with my wife and Carrie. We're not going to embarrass you. We're just going to pray for you. You've probably seen it done a hundred times. We've all in this room, if, we've, if we're not at this altar, then we've done this before. If you raised your hand and meant business with God, I want you to come just stand. You don't have to look at anybody. Just come stand, look at me, and we're going to pray over you. You can just face me. You don't have to look at them. They can just look at the back of your head. Watch this. Do you know that heaven says that when one person gives their life to the Lord, there's a a party in heaven? All of heaven celebrates when one person changes. So here's what we're going to do. You know how we do it here? We're going to pray as a family, right, all together? And, And this isn't a religious, like, chant. I'm, not everyone knows how to pray, so I'm just going to pray, and we're all going to pray, repeat it together. And I'm so grateful that eternity is changing for somebody today. Amen? All right, re- pray with me and after me. Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus. I repent of all my sins all my shortcomings, the ones I remember and the ones I don't. I receive your forgiveness. I receive your love. I'm saved. Heaven is my home. Jesus, Jesus, you are my Lord. And I'll never turn back. In Jesus' name, amen. Remind me of your name. I'm sorry, I forgot. Kathy? 
here's what we're going to do, and I'm going to let you go home. I'm going to, we're going to pray. I'm going to have these ladies lay their hands on her shoulder, and we're just going to pray that when the devil tries to throw the kitchen sink for, to discourage us from keeping the change, path from keeping the change, that the same Holy Spirit that drew her here today will be the same strengthening spirit that will say, no, will rise up and say, I'm not turning back. Amen. Will you pray with me? God, I thank you that by your Holy Spirit, it's not a coincidence that any of us are here today. And God, I thank you for the boldness of this precious daughter of yours, that she would be bold in spirit and say, you know what? I'm deciding to go all in with you, God. God, I pray you would bless her for that decision. Strengthen her, God. Give her courage to keep going. Give her courage to stay committed. And I pray that the same Holy Spirit that drew her here and touched her heart would be the same Holy Spirit that gives her the strength and the tenacity to never walk away, to never give up and quit. I thank you for it. Bless her, God. Let there be notable changes that take place in her life, I pray. Give her the desires of her heart, God, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you. You can go back to your seat if you'd like. Will you give Jesus one more hand for what he did here today? And as I close in prayer, here's the final thing I'm going to ask you. If you heard what I said today and you said, you know what? This year, my mind's going to be made up like it's never been made up. I'm only going to think about me and my situation the way God thinks about it. And I'm only going to, I'm going to do my best at least to only let come out of my mouth what the word and the will of God is for my future. I'm not going to say, the world says. I'm not going to say, I'm not going to repeat my reality, but I'm going to repeat God's reality for my situation. If that's you, just lift your hands as a sign, that's me, God, and I'm just going to pray over everybody as we close. God, I thank you that with hands lifted as a sign of consecration and commitment, that God, you would give us a supernatural courage and ability through the Holy Spirit to guard our mouth that we would declare the word of God only. We won't declare sickness anymore. We won't declare depression anymore. We won't claim through our words poverty and lack and brokenness anymore. But we shall stand strong in the Lord and in the power of his might, not by might nor by power, but through your Holy Spirit. And we shall say and declare the word of the Lord over our future. We shall declare the word of the Lord over our family. We shall declare the word of the Lord only over our finances. And I thank you that as we say what you say, we shall have what you said we will have. And God, give us the ability and the strength to take every thought captive. That when we're tempted to think defeat, that you would cause our mind to think victory only. God, I thank you that we're a victorious people filled with your power 
that we're anointed to not only get free ourselves, but to speak and think like a free person. And free people, free people. Free people get other people free. Let that be our story. Anoint us to be a tool to break every attack of the enemy on not just our lives, but those around us, God. And I thank you for the testimonies that will come for it. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless every one of you. I love you. Carrie loves you. Have the best week you've ever had. We'll see you Wednesday and again next Sunday. Thank you for listening. If you want to connect with us, don't hesitate to visit us in person at our Down East location in Sullivan, Maine. You can also find us on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. Have the best week you've ever had.